Pulse, you're here with Julia. So in recent weeks, the EU released its 11th package of sanctions on Russia, the 11th package since February 2022. This latest package is designed to improve enforcement with anti-circumvention rules, new trade restrictions, and also new designations. So today to discuss this, I'm joined by Julia Sochi from Studio Legale Padavan in Milan. Julia focuses on international trade law, export control and economic sanctions, trade compliance, international trade of military technology and equipment. So Julia, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I wonder if you could give us a little bit of uh, background just into your role, the role of Studio Legale Padovan in the context of sanctions and export controls just before we get started. Of course, uh, I am a senior associate at Studio Legale Padovan, where I coordinate the financial desk within the trade compliance team which is led by Marco Padovan and Marco Zinzani. And specifically, I help assisting companies, banks, and financial institutions involved in cross-border transactions, offering both consultancy services and legal assistance, as well as training sessions on export controls, international economic sanctions, and anti-money laundering legislations. As to the role of the firm in uh, trade compliance, uh, Studio Legale Padovan has uh, a dedicated team of leading experts in a wide range of trade compliance areas, including international trade, export controls, economic sanctions, uh, international trafficking arms regulations, uh, and of course, uh, anti-money laundering regulations, as well as customs laws. We provide uh, tailor-made advice to companies and financial institutions operating or seeking business opportunities in restricted markets specifically. And in particular, we have a very consolidated expertise in performing due diligence reviews of commercial practices regarding both the screening of individuals and entities who are involved in our clients' transactions, but also the legal assessment and technical analysis of products and services. And of course, to do so, we also rely on the expertise of technical experts, which are mainly specialized in dual use and military goods. Further, we assist both companies and banks in drafting internal compliance procedures and programs. And of course, our activities extend beyond these preemptive consultancy, let's say, because we support companies offering strategic advice with regard to these complex cross-border operations. And also we assist them in judicial proceedings, both as technical experts and defense lawyers. So you would have been keeping an eye out for the 11th package. I know that it was it was delayed and we weren't quite sure when it was going to come out. And it, it came as a bit yeah. of a surprise when it was released, I think, the Friday before we thought it was going to be. Um, could you just give an overview of what the 11th package essentially comprises of, some of the different, different types of sanctions and, and maybe why it was needed? Yeah, of course. So first of all, I would uh, briefly address what sanctions are and what type of sanctions the EU has put in place against the Russian Federation in response to the military aggression against Ukraine, just to clear the field about the basic concepts. So economic sanctions are mainly uh, foreign policy instruments, specifically in the context of the EU. They are uh, an instrument of the common foreign and security policy of the Union. They consist in trade and financial restrictions deployed towards countries as well as individuals or entities in order to address perceived violations of international law 
or to counter behaviors that are considered unlawful by the institution adopting them, so in this case, the European Union. The array of restrictive measures adopted against the Russian Federation are specifically aimed at reducing the Kremlin's ability to finance the war against Ukraine, and to do so, uh, they impose economic and political costs on Russian political elite, and they try to diminish Russia's economic, economic base. As to the type of sanctions imposed by the European Union, we have um, sanctions on individuals, uh, such as the freezing of assets and funds, as well as a visa measures, so for example, entry bans, and also sanctions uh, meaning freezing of funds and economic resources imposed on companies and organizations. Besides that, uh, the sanctions imposed against uh, Russia comprehend also import and export bans of strategic uh, goods, but also of goods that can generate a significant you know, uh, turnover for, for Russia. Um, we also have financial and business services measures, as well as sanctions relating to the energy sector and to the transport section, uh, sector. Of course, we also have uh, some provisions uh, that provide for tools to recover assets which should have been frozen and to confiscate them. And finally, which is particularly interesting in relation to the 11th package, we have anti-circumvention measures. The 11th package introduced this new anti-circumvention tool, meaning a tool that enables the EU to address the problem of circumvention of the sanctions imposed against Russia. And to allow these, uh, these instrument, this tool, um, allows the EU to restrict the sale, supply, transfer or export of specified sanctioned goods and technology to certain countries whose jurisdictions are considered to be at continued and particularly high risk of circumvention. These are the countries that, as of now, have not been listed and specifically identified within the regulation but uh, we could say they are countries uh, which have drawn attention upon themselves. They are countries that for historical ties uh, or geographical proximity, um, or even countries that have professed neutrality to the conflict, to the Russian-Ukrainian conflict, basically are particularly um, drawn to the possibility of circumvention, of allowing or enabling circumvention of EU sanctions against uh, Russia. Uh, these new anti-circumvention tool will be an exceptional and last resort measure, which will be utilized only when other individual measures and uh, the diplomatic outreach by the European Union to this concerned third country have been insufficient to prevent circumvention. Uh, as of now, as I said before, uh, no country has been specifically listed in these instruments and this is the reason why. So um, it's a sort of warning. Uh, the um, special envoy for the implementation of EU sanctions 
it has been working uh, um, quite intensively in its diplomatic diplomatic efforts to you know induce cooperation of these third states with regard to the uh, enforcement um, of of sanction in the meaning of avoiding or you know um, putting some obstacles to the circumvention. Apart from that, the 11th package also, of course, extended uh, uh, the restrictions uh, on, on the export of some items, uh, specifically uh, 15 technological items uh, were, you know, added uh, to the export ban. And they are items uh, that have been found on the battlefield in Ukraine or they are equipment uh, who are needed to produce such items. The same happened, uh, you know, with uh, the imports ban. So, for example, um, the iron and steel goods uh, restriction has been tightened. Uh, and uh, um, another interesting thing, which can be related to the theme of uh, circumvention and the fight against it, is that uh, the 11th package introduces a prohibition to sell license, transfer or refer intellectual property rights and trade secrets used in connection with restricted goods. Of course, uh, the reason of this provision is to prevent that the sanctioned goods uh, are simply, you know, being manufactured outside the EU. So we not, not only now prohibit the export of these items, but we prohibit also the possibility of giving the information necessary to, um, to produce them. I think these are the most interesting, uh, you know, prohibitions. Uh, of course, there have been a number of others. Uh, we can cite, you know, just quote the uh, transport measure. So we have a full ban on trucks with Russian trailers and semi-trailers. So we have a prohibition to access EU ports for vessels that engage in ship-to-ship -ship transfer suspected to be in breach of the uh, oil cap established by the G7 and um, and some other you know additional uh, prohibitions such as the um, extension of the media ban to other five additional channels so it's a, it's a the focus is basically the same and sort of sort of like doubling down i guess on on those measures and making them essentially more effective right Yes, exactly. The overall aim of the eleventh package is specifically uh, of um, of making the enforcement and implementation of EU sanctions more effective. So everything is pointed in that direction. Of course, I we we, we have not you know talked about that, but of course uh, a number of uh, more than a hundred of individuals and entities have been added to the sanctioning list and um, they have uh, clarified in a better way the legal basis uh, to directly sanctioned individuals or entities uh, which um, help the circumvention of sanctions so again this is you know a recurring theme and speaking of legal basis i guess that's a it's a good sort of segue into how how a body like the European Union comes up with these sanctions packages? What's the legal basement for? Sorry, what's the legal basis for for developing and adopting these? Considering the the member states, because it's 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 a lot more complex than a country coming up with a sanctions list, right? Yes, of course, and we can go back to the fact that uh, economic sanctions are an instrument of foreign policy. So, of course, specifically in the context of the European Union. 
um, there has to be a very strong consensus around these kind of decisions. And this is why the procedure to adopt these sanctions involve different uh, institutions of the, the EU and, of course, all member states. The legal basis for the adoption of international economic sanctions are Article 29 of the Treaty of the European Union and Article 215 of the Treaty on the Functioning of the European Union. Article 29 gives to the Council the power to adopt a decision which define the approach of the Union to a particular matter of a geographical or thematic nature. And Article 215 of the Treaty of the, on the Functioning of the European Union uh, specifies the procedure to do that. So it says that uh, when the um, Council adopts a decision for the interruption or reduction in part or completely of economic and financial relations with one or more third countries, it shall do that uh, by a qualified majority on a joint proposals from the High Representative of the Union for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy and the Commission. And uh, uh, following the adoption of this decision, which is therefore a decision, or the, a Council decision which is adopted within the framework of the Common Foreign and Security Policy, uh, these measures uh, are either to be implemented at the, the EU or national level. In the, cases of, in the case of the sanctions against Russia, they uh, have been implemented by means of a regulation, of a Council regulation, um, or better, a regulation which has been adopted by the Council, of course, on these joint proposals, uh, as we said, of the, by the High Representative and the uh, Commission. Um, so, as you can understand uh, from what I'm saying, uh, all member states uh, must be involved in the discussion and in the uh, approval of these uh, decisions. And of course, it is uh, uh, it provides for the involvement of basically um, different uh, in European institutions covering both the diplomatic uh, side and the legislative uh, and executive uh, one. And while these decisions are made at the EU level, there can be differences in the member states because the member states are the ones essentially enforcing them, aren't they? And they can take different approaches to those enforcements, right? Yes, so the regulations that uh, provide for restrictive measures, um, EU restrictive measures in general, and in this case, uh, EU restrictive measures against Russia, are actually directly applicable within all member states. So uh, implementation should be somehow, you know, uh, uniform across all member states. Of course, there are some areas where some gray areas where we can see a lack of alignment among member states in these implementation and the most important one i think is the concept of control so let's let me just you know go back a little bit and explain that the sanctions against individuals and entities uh, provide for the uh, freezing of their funds and assets and the prohibition on the European Union operators to make uh, funds and resources uh, available to them. 
The problem is that these works both directly and indirectly. So the um, freezing measures act uh, both on the entity, which is explicitly listed, but also uh, on the uh, entities which are controlled or owned by them. And with them, I mean both entities and individuals. So we have a list of entities and individuals which are directly listed and sanctioned. And then we have entities which may be owned or controlled by them. So the property uh, concept is not really problematic because uh, either you mm, refer to a uh, a more, let's say, conservative uh, uh, criteria of considering uh, an entity owned by another entity or an individual when they uh, <clears throat> own at least 50% of their share, or you act in a less conservative way saying that, uh, you know, a person or an entity owns another entity when they own more than 50% of their shares. With control is a bit more um, is a bit trickier because uh, there is no definition, there is no legislative definition of control. We only have some criteria which have been set by the council in the best practices that they published. These criteria, though, are quite broad and can be interpreted differently by member states. And where we see that happening a lot is when we have uh, companies which are referable to listed individuals through a very complicated uh, trust structure. So a very complicated corporate structure, specifically with the, the use of trusts. So there are a couple of uh, quite famous cases uh, which involve multinational companies and groups which are actually controlled by a very complicated and stratified structure of trusts. And in the end, the beneficial owner of this trust is a listed individual. So we have seen that different member states have been taking different approaches to this. There are some member states which consider the same fact of adopting this complex structure as a sign of an attempt to circumvent sanctions. And they see these structures as not impeding the link between the listed entity and the, and the company. So uh, as to consider the entire group as shadow listed, so as indirectly sanctioned. Other member states have taken a different approach, either considering uh, um, the ring fencing mechanism as effective and uh, as efficient to prevent, you know, the, con the actual control and benefit of the sanctioned individual through the action of the company, and some other who have relied on more political reasons to maybe avoid taking a stance in these cases. The question is so um, debated that uh, lately the, uh, there has been an Italian judge, but it could have been you know, a judge from any other member state, that has referred the question to the um, Court of Justice of the European Union. So um, in Italy we have this case and it has been stopped at the national level and uh, you know, the judge has asked uh, to the European Court to decide whether in such a case uh, there is an indirect designation or not. 
so it's not particularly simple. So I guess, and, and as we kind of come to a close, Julia, it would be good to get maybe maybe some advice from you. I mean, obviously not, not official legal advice, but advice for listeners in terms of how they might be you know, navigating this new environment, if there's anything in particular that they need to, to do differently in light of this 11th package. Is there anything that you see as being a particular challenge for them, which maybe they need to address, um, you know, proactively address with this 11th package? So I think that the main, uh, the trickiest challenges for economic, uh, but also financial operators in the EU with respect to Russian sanction uh, are four. So first of all, we have this issue that we've talked about uh, of the shadow listing phenomenon. So the problem of identifying, the issue of identifying who's behind my counterparty when it's a company. So um, specifically when I'm dealing with the huge companies which are, you know, have a very complex uh, corporate structure uh, behind them. And this is particularly important because uh, I could uh, uh, fall into a violation and not even knowing that uh, if I do not uh, conduct uh, thorough due diligence uh, on my counterparties. So the first advice would be you know, conduct these due diligences. Uh, do not limit yourself to screening the first, uh, you know, the first entity, the name of the entity, but go deeper and see who's behind it and who controls it. Secondly, uh, we see as a very uh, important challenge the identification of the final destinations uh, of goods, as well as the final user and the final use. Of my goods, of my goods, and this is because of the uh, increasing phenomenon of uh, triangulations. So um, try to adopt, uh, try to collect uh, as many documents uh, as possible to prove and to understand, to verify, you know, where your goods will end up. And the respective aspect uh, with regard to import uh, is uh, the challenge of uh, understanding and verifying and proving the origin of goods. Because uh, um, let's recall that uh, when we have an import ban, it regards not only goods uh, coming directly from Russia, but also goods which are originated in Russia and they may come from different countries. So um, not always, not always this is possible, uh, but you know you can actually analyze all the cases you are handling to understand whether there are some indications that you know you could find yourself in front of an attempt of circumventing import bans. And finally, um, I would uh, like to um, say that it's important to give a correct. Uh, classification to your goods, a correct uh, custom code to your goods. Because of course, if you do not do that step correctly, then you may find yourself with a good which is uh, actually restricted uh, towards Russia, but you do not know that. And you could find yourself in the position of having to explain why you gave a specific custom code to that goods instead of another one. And we've seen that a lot in criminal proceedings that we are, we are following. So uh, please be, you know, be aware of that and uh, conduct technical analyses with experts that help you correctly identifying the custom code of your goods. Really good closing advice. Thank you so much, Julia. Um, Julia Sochi from Studio Legale Padavan. Thank you very, very much for joining me today. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you.
And to all of our listeners out there, thank you so much for joining us on the RegTech Pulse. We will see you again on another episode. Mm-hmm.